Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to a special bonus edition of the KLNS Rugby Podcast. In light of today's major news out of Ulster, we decided to hop on to record, given the magnitude of today's announcement. The club have confirmed that Dan McFarland resigned as head coach at the province mid-season after five and a half years at the helm. Ulster's longest-running head coach in the professional era steps aside in a fashion that we're pretty much not all that familiar with here in the Irish rugby circle. Join me this evening, we have Ulster fans Jack Fogarty and Adam Latham, so welcome on, fellas. Thank you. Cheers, Callum. It's always good to have you on. And, and just to get an Ulster perspective on this, because I'm sure not many publications will have too much of an Ulster perspective on this. But that all aside, first things first, Jack, what's your reaction to today's news? Well, first things first, you gotta, you know, got to feel bad for uh, Jonathan Bradley, who wasn't even the first one to uh, announce the news. Brendan Fanning in the, in the sister uh, publication of the Sunday Independent was the first one to break it. So... Uh, Hard luck, hard luck, John. But um, yeah, it was just um, it was kind of it was always it was always tighted, isn't it? it was, were, were they were they going to be able to get rid of kind of McFarland at the end of this year? Because it was clear that you know, things weren't things weren't going, and the change was definitely required. And then the news kind of broke, you know, re- more recently around finances and stuff. So it seemed even more less likely, perhaps, that this would this would kind of come out. But it's always been mentioned here and there when they've been high-profile losses in the last 12 to 18 months around, you know, McFarland's credentials and whether or not he, whether or not he's up for it. But it was always a bit of a, mm, we're not in a position to, you know, get anyone else really. So it always felt like he would see out his contract. At least I, I thought he'd at least see out the last um, sort of, well, the, the sort of this season really. Um, so, uh, it was it was definitely a shock because I didn't think that they would be in a in a financial position to uh, to kind of do this because obviously you'd have to you'd have to you know pay out for the rest of his contract unless there's some sort of release clause that says well if you're winning with you know two minutes or one minute left on the clock at the Ospreys and you lose to a drop goal then you're out of a job then I don't you know that's probably unlikely to be in a uh, release clause for your contract but. Oh, you never quite know, but um, yeah. So uh, it was it was probably common, but I was definitely a wee bit surprised at how quickly they acted after um, our a pretty high profile loss, I suppose, when we were you know, arguably the, the stronger team on paper. But as most old school commentators will tell you, uh, you know, the game isn't won on paper; it's won on the pitch. So um, yeah. It's uh, definitely a wee bit of a shock, but it was it was definitely coming. I don't know what Adam thinks, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. there is that element, isn't there? The fact that it's like shock, but not surprise kind of mindset. Because it, even when the rumors started circling out last night, like I think I wasn't the only one. It was straight on to different people that you know who might have some insight. And eventually it was like, yeah, no, players are being told this is done. It's just waiting. And then you have the likes of Bernard Jackman coming on a podcast today saying, oh yeah, yeah, no, we heard last night about Richie Murphy. It's like, that's how far ahead of the process that these lads are ahead of us, never mind 
you know, people who, who think we know what's going on. But Adam, I'll come to you. Jack teed it up as well. What was your reaction to what felt like the longest day of Ulster rugby? Um, I we've had longer, <laughs> um, but it. I feel like it. Yeah, it's perfect. I think Jack for, so sums it up perfectly. Um, it was sort of that saw last night. Um, didn't quite believe it. Um, went to sleep around about ten. So when the news first broke, it was around about half eleven, and then woke up this morning thinking, "Oh, they've actually they've done it." Um, we don't exactly still know how he's done it. it. It's always sort of like a step down. Did we tell him to step down? Did we did we force an arm? Was it because, as Jack said, our financial issues are shocking and we're about to leave lose like about 10 11 players next season um how for dan it, it he seemed out of it in the interview uh the ospreys interview that kind of went semi-viral and i made my point known sort of like you can you can he, he seemed like a man that was just caught like a deer trapped in headlights just sort of that shock of the last minute drop goal completely wobbled him but I said, um, I said to an Ospreys fan, it was just sort of like a that that was him trying to. He always never blamed himself, and when there was an opportunity to blame himself, he always put out Soper in the last couple of weeks. Soper was sort of like the press guy, so that's why um, the news the news was shocking. I thought it was a long time coming, but I thought he was going to stay, as Jack said, till the end of the season because yeah. I don't. I don't remember a time bar. I think Les Kiss, Jack, you might correct me. I think Les Kiss left midway through the season, didn't he? And that's when we brought in uh, Neil Doak. Uh, and then John O'Gibbs came in, or is that before? No, Les Neil Doak was before Les Kiss. Uh, well, I, I, one, I one of the two, yeah. yeah. John O'Gibbs was definitely the last one. And then, um, and then, yeah, it was, I can't remember the, I can't remember the order of it, but it was, um, it's just uh, right yeah. at that time anyway, but, Dan McFarlane being the one that the stat that shocked me the most about it coming today was the fact that he's our um, longest professional coach. Yep. Um, I would have thought like, oh, there surely has to be someone. I thought Mark Anscombe was there a lot longer than I don't know why. I think yeah, was, he was only like two years, wasn't he? Felt yeah, like yeah. Years. I think that first year was so glorious, going like thirteen <laughs> games unbeaten. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah. Um, it surprised me. Yeah, it did. Um, certainly the way it's went about and how long it took for them to confirm it because it was about two hours ago, wasn't it? When they yeah. confirmed it. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the thing. And it, it is that, you know, surprise, but, you know, as you mentioned, the financial aspect of it as well. And like, I'm from what I've been well aware of, the IRFU, even when the pressure came on earlier in the season when Ulster went through a bad patch, and last season, and you know, same with you know, Connacht and Munster and different teams. It's there if you do are not in the business of sacking coaches. So then you think of it and Ulster's financial issues, and you did start to think might be a bit of a purgatory year that they just go to next year with Dan McFarland. He sees out his contract and they go from there. But I think that's when, because it hit last night, it was it was such a big shock. But it's important to to strike a bit of balance as well because. He leaves with a winning percentage of above sixty percent, which for Ulster is is really really good. It's it's far removed from the the former Scotland and Leinster head coach, for instance, and, and lads like that. But he's also the longest serving, as you mentioned, Adam. And I'll come back to you because Dan McFarland inherited a squad that needed to be rebuilt from the ground up. So looking at it from that angle, what have you made of the rebuild that he's constructed? I thought he did at the very start. Um, I see him as I see him as a good coach. I think it was just the last two years there's been some type of downfall. So at the very start, um, Ulster were in turmoil. We were in some sort of free fall. The the sort of the the court cases and everything else around that. Um, just I remember that was at the time we came like fifth in the league and we had like Charles Pieter and stuff and it was just a bit weird. Um. And then, of course, we've had like um, new fly halves come in and things like that. I think Dan McFarland did a very good job of steadying the ship. But is that, um, we'll probably get onto it later on, is that due to Dwayne Peel's involvement and Jared Payne's involvement in the backroom staff? Because I I think Dan McFarland's a very good um, 
sort of um, organizational coach and he seems to work well with the loads of forwards. And when we had Dwayne Peel, it seemed like our backs were allowed to freely move whatever they want. And um, from what I've read, um, Dan McFarland's now taken a lot more of attack as soon as Soper came in. So he's taken more of the attack on. And we kind of do this one-dimensional mall thing where all we do is score try-off malls for the past two seasons. Um, it, it worked last year, to be fair. Like Tom Stewart would be very happy with that tactic. Oh, yeah, it did. It worked perfectly. But I, I'm just thinking of like our backs performances from... Um, I speak about backs because um, it, 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 I feel like that's the biggest change. Our backs from the start were this sort of you're allowed to creatively freedom. They're scoring good rugby, running rugby, sort of the the start of Jacob Stockdale, like kicking on into form. And, you know, Craig Gilroy was still scoring tries. And, you know, we've had those all those centres come through. Um, I just kind of think that now you kind of see it and we couldn't string a couple of passes together. And the loss against Connacht last year um, and... I think he did very well for what he was given. And I feel like the results in the knockout games, I think that he should have left possibly at the end of the Connacht game last year. I think there was no sort of recovery um, aspect because the year before was the Stormers in a last minute, a last minute kick. Um, yeah, he did very well. It were, yeah. I, I do think the rebuild worked. I think he stayed professional sports ruthless, and the fact that we've spoke about how six years is quite a long time in professional sport. Um, I think he, I think three years, like his first three year contract would was good enough, so that we should have looked on to push on maybe and kick on. Um, he did a very good rebuild. He's solid rebuild. He, I don't think he's tarnished anything. Um, I think it's just the last eighteen months has sort of driven us in this way. Yeah. I think if I could so just jump in on that, it's probably just the fact that, you know, to contextualize it, what you're talking about is, you know, there was a rebuild when, when he first came in. So that those first two, actually first sort of six months, we saw like quite an uptick in the performance. And we all, we got the, we got the, the family motto of fight for every inch and everybody was like, Oh, Jesus is great. We can just do this. And, um, and, you know, you know, we're all pulling together and everyone seems to know what they're doing. And technically, you know, he's a very good coach. But I just don't think, like like Adam said, we've really pushed on. And, you know, with with the kind of coaching ticket that we had at the time and then thinking of the coaching ticket we have now, it's not really felt like any sort of progressions actually happened, which is probably slightly on Dan, slightly on the organization. And I think in terms of, you know, getting the right getting the right guys in, um, you know, Ulster Rugby, especially with sort of their pretty poor reputation on PR. Um, they they don't they don't really seem to have the best relationship with you know media and things like that. So in terms of getting getting the right people in there, it's it's hard for you know Ulster to look like a great you know organization when you know things just don't seem to be quite right nothing's really like you know flush you know down down the middle you know you think about a monster identity or the Leinster identity it's pretty much like there you go that's set in stone so we're us we're a little bit you know we're trying to trying to emulate guys but we're also trying to you know make it our own identity but it's just not it's just not quite right and I think that's quite tough for you know an organization to do I'm not saying that we know anyone knows how exactly how to do that but for what he did, he was he was very good for those first sort of couple of years. But then, like he said, just didn't quite push on. I want to build on something that Adam said there about you know at the end of last season. I think there would be a pers- uh, an opinion from some fans and some pundits that l- losing to Connacht last year in a home URC quarterfinal was probably the natural end point for for this coaching staff and for this project. And like mm. after remember that the November before last he was interviewing allegedly for the Leicester Tigers job and ever since yep. then there has been talk about this in-camp animosity I know Craig Gilroy mentioned that via pen I didn't see the game I'm going off what other people said that he's mentioned it and Adam I'll let, I'll let you jump in first and then on to Jack do you think these rumours and these so-called you know stories if you want to call them that will be what leaves the sour taste in the mouth of fans I'll, I'll let you go first there Adam and Jack can come in after um, yeah, I think um, with certainly what Gilroy said and a couple of months ago, there was this story about like um, Jackman mentioned it on the podcast about 
unnamed uh, players coming in and saying about the culture of the team. And certainly what McFarlane liked to do was to alienate you if you didn't play well. And if he didn't like you, he just didn't put you on the team. Um, one of these, like, I think, um, Jack, you might have seen this, but Sean Reedy was asked a question once and he just kind of went, uh, you know, like, why did you, like, what happened, you know, towards the last bit or like, why were you not picked? Or he was like, I don't know, something to do with the coach. I don't think he was particularly fond of him either. Um, I think ever since hmm. uh, this season, this season especially, um, you think of like Marcus Ray, um, how well he did in his like sort of first game against Leinster. Um, and then the second season, we're all expecting him to kick on and then he just goes, disappears. Apparently that was the falling out as well. There was like, there was loads of these sort of falling outs that happened. Allegedly, 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 allegedly. 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 I'm not editing this, so it's fine. Allegedly, I'm in contact with Gilroy's lawyers as well, just to just to see if we can join join help that. Um, But allegedly, (laughs) there's been a lot of unrest, and there was a big sort of. um, They did. He just threw everything. He was a very um, discipline worthy coach, and if you just didn't fit into that, you just didn't get in the team. And we've seen some bizarre selections this year. Like Mike Laurie starting at wing this at the start, and well, Robert, yeah, that's that's what I was. That's, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. but Balak Balakum being fully fit, yeah, Mike Laurie starting on wing, Mike Laurie pulls out, you know, and that's how Balakum gets on the pitch. Like there's something wrong there, and Balakum is probably Jack. You're probably going to mention this. It's probably been the biggest change in the dip of form I've seen from. Balakun being the storming really quick, scored a hat-trick against Toulouse a couple of years ago, to now being kind of just lost and not getting involved. And yeah. Yeah, yeah you can jump in there, Jack, on your thoughts on, on this. Yeah, it's um the only thing the only thing we can kind of say with any certainty is when you look at selection so when we're talking about guys like Marcus Ray you think about when they came in you know there was a slightly different coaching ticket you know we were talking about McFarland, Peel, Payne and that sort of triumvirate who who did very very well and everyone was very happy they then did so well that they got jobs elsewhere moved on maybe you know mixed bag of fortunes there but in terms of yeah, the selection, you know, it was always um Ray, Timoney, and Vermeulen, who were though that kind of back row pairing. Great back row pairing, very much that kind of pilfering back row style with, you know, um Dwayne as a as a, as your kind of defensive organizer and kind of mall um sort of specialist added in there as well. Um, you know, he did show a bit of carrying towards the end as well, even though that wasn't really his role. Um, but yeah, in terms of selection, you can look at you can look at the change in you know Marcus Ray getting picked for pretty much a solid season, playing really well. One of the best back rowers. His stats were unbelievable. He was making turnover after turnover. Probably you know probably won a game. Um, which you know as soon as, as soon as he wasn't being selected anymore, those numbers then just dipped for the whole team. No one else seemed to be getting in involved, getting involved doing that. Um, you know few other guys who you know would be selected and then not seen for for weeks and weeks and weeks they'd come in they'd play well yeah then you wouldn't see them again so really really bizarre because in terms of you know fan input and fan kind of opinion you're looking at it thinking that doesn't make any sense he came in and he played really well so you can only you can only imagine that you know it must be something else that's gone on in training there's been a bust up who knows but you know, you know, we've you know we've heard of high profile kind of bust ups in in trainings before, and guys are back in the team, you know, the same week. So, you know, in terms of that man management, maybe that was something that he just wasn't he wasn't so great at because you know um, we're we're talking about guys like Balakun who aren't in a structure to perform, but they also just look like they don't really want to get involved either. Um, and poor Bob was 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 just sat at the other end of the. Um, uh, Liberty Stadium, or sorry, the Swansea.com Stadium. I think I have to call it now. Uh, just warming up. Yeah, just 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 warming up for the whole game. And I was just looking. My, my wife was there, and it was just like, I was like, why are they not getting Bob on? Just get Bob on the pitch. You know, Jacob had dropped a few balls at that point. He wasn't playing well. Just like, just get Bob on. And if Bob's not getting on, then why is he on the bench? Because everyone talks about twenty-three man game. Like, no sign of him at all. 
and we're just we're just trudging off at the end of the pitch and it's at the end of the game you're just like what what's what's going on it's just bizarre how how you know things managed and guys want to play guys want to play games so you need to play them like it's it's you know it's fairly you know very simple you can do rotation and all that but when guys are coming in after five six weeks out in the goals you can't really expect them to just go in and perform again like Johnny Sexton you know at 38 when he's just like yeah I can do that it's like yeah well funnily enough he's got 100 caps under his belt he knows exactly what he's doing like these are young players that you need to you need to blood them in you need to get them going so um yeah definitely loads of question marks around that for me as well even to add on uh to player management like Billy Burns um was like basically injured for one season and he was hopping around in one leg and he always sort of got injured but he no no 10 ever dismantled him there no 10 ever shook him um i i feel like um that he had like a lot of players that were just undroppable um and that's how he worked um and yeah he's one of the first coaches i've seen since probably around about 2011 2012 and subs weren't like um used as much but he's like the first sort of guy to not use all their players like Shanners. Dave Shanahan always sort of gets left out of squads and when he does get in the squad he never comes on there's like yeah I completely agree with Jack on um, player management it's it's really just bizarre yeah it's interesting because one you know certain coaches do get hounded for their use of the bench others don't that's fair Dan McFarland has been one who hasn't been is the man who's expected to come in and replace him, which is Richie Murphy, who has not exactly been one to just ring the changes for our under-20s relative to under-20s rugby. It's just ironic that that's where we're moving on to anyways. And that was confirmed today that he will take charge for the remainder of the campaign, starting after the under-26 nations. This was a bit that had to be qualified during the day. That does mean he's starting with a trip to South Africa, so... Apologies to Richie for that in, in that way. Jack, I'll, I'll let you start off here. Ulster have half a season worth of games to go. I think it's, um, I think they'll have eight URC games by the time Richie takes over, Richie Murphy. And yeah. they'll have obviously the Challenge Cup and as far as they advance there. Yeah. How yeah. do you think they will go about the season from here? Yeah, it's, um, it's funny. Yeah, it's funny about the bench because I remember us whenever, uh, Whenever you talk about Burns being undroppable, um, that was you know that was certainly Dan's uh, must have been his 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 thought process because there was pressure. You start Billy Burns and you have you had Larry at fullback, so he was always your kind of like, well, he's your backup ten, so we'll stick a we'll stick a center in twenty in the twenty two jumper. So invariably that was you know, Luke Marshall, um, for example, you know, so he would fill he would fill that, um, and that was something that you know we see with the Ireland team, but again apples and oranges in terms of, you know, your, your, you know, your, you know, quality player. Um, you know, when you have the likes of a ring rose or something like that, you can stick a, you can stick a center on in, you know, at the, at the end, but they would always have a backup fly half. You know, it's pretty much, you know, it's, 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 it's a rule as old as time. It's, you know, if you're a rugby supporter, it's like you have a, you have a kicker on the bench and you have a, you have a fly half on the bench as well who can, you know, dictate play. So yeah, look like the rest of the season, you know, Luckily enough, it's dragons at home, which you, you'd imagine you wouldn't need a, a, a hell of a light amount of um, coaching input to be able to, you know, get past one of the, you know, one of the worst teams in in the in the URC. So you'd be hoping for a a bonus point win, really, um, uh, you know, minimum because of because of where we're at and what we need. You need to be you need to be kind of burying those guys and really, you know, building building confidence. Um, I'm not sure exactly the the. Um, by the time Six Nations ends and the, the trip to South Africa, I don't know if the Montpellier games before or after uh, the trip to South it's, Africa. It's after. It's one second. I want to just get this to load. It's definitely after. So it's April, right? So it would be, yeah. Yeah. So it's Dragons at home in the next bye week of the Six Nations. Sharks the week after the Six Nations ends. The Stormers the week after that. Yeah, and then it's Montpellier um, in the round of 16. So, yeah, you're talking about, you know, one home game where you should at least get things back on track and people will feel a little bit more, okay, right, we've got to win under our belts, hopefully get a little bit of distance between the guys in nine and ninth and ninth and 10th uh, and league, coincidentally, Munster and Connett. 
Yeah, uh, you realize we have zebra next. It's not which, exactly which, which, which is which is not going to happen when you consider the next you know the next couple of results. But you need to keep pace, and obviously that's that's something that's like sort of non-negotiable. There's there's obviously the trip to South Africa where you're you're playing for losing bonus points. Really, you're playing for one or two points. If you get two points out of both games, you know you leave with four points. That's probably pretty good going. But potentially the Sharks could could be could be vulnerable. We've won down there before with the likes of Flannery. Um, actually pulling the strings and, and playing really well, but it'll 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 likely depend if we've got our you know the big hitters back. If Hendy's not too badly injured, if Rob Herring is able to come back, I don't really know the, the real sort of layoff time for that. But there's about eight games left, and I think if you know if Ulster can get about four or five, then they might be they might be okay because there's the likes of um, uh, Dragons, Cardiff, Scarlets, Benetton at home, which is certainly a lot easier than Benetton away, where we've lost previously. And then you've got obviously the big games with uh, the two South African teams, and you've got um, the finishing off the season of, of a lovely run in with uh, with Leinster, and then away to. Um, monster for a lovely game in, in that's Park. probably uh, granted going to South Africa is probably its own ballpark but like Dragons at home you'd imagine that's five points Cardiff at home you'd imagine that's five points yep Benetton at home we'll say four you know give them their dues we'll say four there Scarlet's away is probably five especially if you've all your internationals and if you're not well, if Monster can go there and get a bonus point win then we can as well you yeah know? funny 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 um, <laughs> Leinster at home I mean Zero. It's, yeah, uh, but like uh, it's the uh, one game you get up for. <laughs> and then Munster away is probably the one. That's probably your hardest game to go from him. Hardest uh, yeah. South Africa trip. I know yeah, I'm limiting bar, it. Bar stormers, but yeah, I mean, we've been spanked in, in Thoman before, not not that long ago. So so yeah, it's on. It's on Same bar. again, please. <laughs> well, 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 we'll see. We'll see. Richie Murphy's going to save us all, so it's going to be fine. RG Snyman's last game. I'm all just going to... Oh, uh, stop. I'm going to get things back on track here because we did questioning from Liam, Adam, and he wonders, how, how do you think Richie Murphy is going to do in what is essentially a trial run for the gig, because you'd imagine he's one that's going to be up for the run of it. I can imagine he's... I. There's like a lot of talk of like who we can get, and I think Richie Murphy's probably the best one that we can get, given our budget. Um, I think Payne, um, like in terms of like the sort of coaching sphere that we've, we've set up, um, that we've all sort of talked ourselves into, um, everyone's been mentioned on Twitter today. Um, from me joking about Sean Edwards and people taking that seriously, um, to <laughs> Michael Chaka, who yeah. everyone is fully convinced will sign because he's got he's got enough money. I'm sure he'll love a wee house in Bangor. Um, <laughs> but like, um, I think Richie Murphy will come in and do well. Um, it's certainly it's going to be interesting to see how an under twenties coach goes into a provincial side. Um, given the resources that he has, um, I think the resources and the the pathways that feed the under twenty side might be bigger than the Ulster budget, to be honest. But that's yeah, probably yeah. another day's conversation. And and also the fact that like there's there's a couple of Ulster lads in that. Um, so there's more Ulster lads get picked in that under twenty side than there is in the senior side at the minute. But granted, some of them are on the bench and like two of them start or something like that. But I think he's going to come in and I think it's a classic thing of always getting a new coach and expecting a big win first off to get everyone really excited and I think I'm just stepping into it skeptical skeptical because I remember feeling the same way about Tam McFarland um but yeah do you know what I mean like I'm I'm there's a part of me that thinks this is a really good appointment and this is this is probably going to be the job interview whether or not we're going to storm on to a, a challenge cup win uh, against Montpellier, who have lost Gabrizi, and I th- I feel like that's going to be a big factor in the, everything. But yeah, I I want them to do well. I feel like we have to do well, but I feel like there's other issues in that setup that needs changed before we actually kick on. Mm. And I think with Richie Murphy coming in, he needs to actually take it because I think it's Bryn Cunningham's in control of 
He's he's now sort of cemented himself as a director of rugby now. That's that's uh, certainly what it feels like. We might come back to him because yeah. I want to ask Jack a question here, anyways. And Jack, th- this is my own. This isn't a listener question, although we've a couple of listener questions. With mm. Richie Murphy, you've got a guy who has been undoubtedly a proven success at under twenty level. Yep, under twenty is very much a short, well, not short term vision, but certainly a very set vision and you know, how you want to go about things. Outside of that, he doesn't have much experience. He was a kicking coach and a skills coach outside of that mm. before the under-20 gig. Jared Payne, who people will join the dots and connect him, he's only been an assistant coach. If Dwayne Peel comes back, probably you could say better as an assistant coach. Um, Mark McCall's name will be, start floating around, you would imagine, at some stage, whether he wants it or not. And he's probably the only one with head coaching experience. Do you think Ulster will be weighing this up. And and it is important to note, Ulster will not make this decision by themselves. It will be with the help of the IRFU. Granted, ironically, it'll probably be David Nusifor's decision and his last decision before giving the keys to David Humphreys, which feels mad, but that's how the IRFU run their ship. Mm. How, do, how do you think their selection process will be? Do you think Murphy, the fact that he's getting this, is probably a big indicator of how it's going to go as well? Yeah, I think, um, you know, think about think about people's ambitions here you know if they get into coaching they're they're not doing it lightly they're they're getting in there because they want to they want to give it a lash and you know you've seen you've seen what what rog can do you know rog um you know finished up playing went off learned a ton about you know you know went to, went to new zealand went to france he's now cemented himself as a as a head coach that's from going through you know through the ringer through through all kinds of you know, just soaking up knowledge and things like that. Richie Murphy should probably was probably going to be no different. You know, like you say, started off kicking coach, moved in. He's now in the twenties. He's now got nothing left to prove with the twenties, other than maybe a World Cup win um, for the for the twenties. But you can only judge a guy on what he's on. You know, on what on what his CV says, and his CV right now is pretty sparkling because you can see what he's been able to do been able to beat, you know, France's under twenties, which, you know, is essentially, you know, beating the top top team at twenties level, apart from maybe, you know, all blacks in South Africa, you know. So very you know, lots of similarities between, you know, that and the senior game. So um, you know, Richie Murphy, I think, wants to have a crack at, at a head coach role. Like why wouldn't he, you know? Um so what he can do is he can get guys from season to season, he has a new squad you know, every year. So the 20s squad changes, you know, you know, dramatically from year to year. There's a couple of guys who come in who might be 18, 19, so they can they can they can go a couple of a couple of seasons. So he can work with new guys, he can implement a strategy, he can implement, you know, attack and defense. And he talks about how the attack is the easy part. It's you know implementing a good defensive structure that can be the hardest part. And that's definitely, you know, applicable in in in, in Ulster's um, kind of problems because of their, you know, high profile defeats in Europe and, you know, losing lots. So we know that, you know, Richie Murphy can come in here and do a job in the short term because he's used to doing that. He's got to, you know, he's got to get, he's got to get five wins and that's all. So he's, he's got a, you know, a short space of time to work with the twenties. So yeah, he's got this, he's got eight, nine games, nine games say left of, of Ulster's season to try and say, right, how many of these can, can I win? Can I get nine from nine, eight from eight? That'll be the you know you know a couple of losses along the way maybe, but that's that's the that's the kind of the outlook. And then absolutely, if he goes and we get to a final of a champ, uh, challenge cup where we get to a final of a of a of the URC, you're going to be like give man the keys, like because you're only you're only basing this off off um off what he's done. And if what he done what he's done is get you to a place where you never thought it was possible, you know, mid season getting rid of your head coach. And you got to say fair play to the man, give him a one-year deal, see what else he can do, and then you reevaluate. You want to, you might be looking long-term in terms of right, what's the rest of the coaching setup going to look like? And that is a whole other sort of question. I don't know if you want to get on into that right now, but in terms of what Richie wants to do, he might have his eyes on other coaches as well. So there's a whole myriad of things. It's not just winning rugby games. It's it's talking, it's thinking about like right, how is the development going to work? How are we going to get these young guys? Mikey Lowry, James Hume, guys who've started really well in their in their sort of Ulster and Ireland careers to actually push on and continue that development through 
good coaching because they don't just become these good players and then at 25 they're they're absolutely rounded and they know exactly what to do you need to continue that into you know into the late 20s where they have setbacks and Jacob for example has had setbacks he's had injuries he's had high profile incidents where he's missed you know scoring in a corner against Leinster massively knocks his confidence now is you know is Dan McFarland your kind of head coach that you want to go and bring bring your bring your put your arm around him and say yeah you know don't worry we'll you know we'll get you back to where you need to be Think about the emotional intelligence that, you know, Andy Farrell is bringing to the Ireland setup. And you think, Jesus, that man, you just run through a brick wall for him. So if that happened to Jacob now, you'd think, get Andy Farrell on the phone. He will sort you out by the time, you know, by the time you have breakfast the next day, he'll be, he'll be around there making you, making you, making you a Sunday dinner or whatever. You know, he'd be just, he'd just be doing whatever he could to, to make you, to make you feel good about yourself again. So um, it's, it's, it's one thing, you know, developing good techniques and good, you know, attributes for guys but in terms of getting them emotionally to a level where they can where they can perform that's that's a whole other uh a whole other kettle of fish altogether so um if Richie can kind of implement that and get guys just feeling good about themselves then I'm sure that'll go a hell of a long way because I think that that right now there's just not really that certainty where players are unsure they're making mistakes they're they're not really sure if they're going to get lambasted in the media for having a poor training week or something like that so it's just you know it's just it's just tough. Like so I, I wish Richie Richie Murphy all the best. And if he if he if he gets a 55-60% win uh ratio, then uh I think he might just get the he might just get the full time job too. Yeah, fair enough. Um Adam, I might just come to you because we're gonna talk about replacements in down the line after this, but because of your own stances, I think it's fair to say you, you think it'd be Richie Murphy. But if it's going to be an Irish coach, for instance, and we'll just base on articles, we do not have, there's not enough hours in the day to go to every rugby coach in the world that's not Irish. But Jared Payne, we've mentioned, Richie Murphy, we've mentioned. You've got the likes of Noel McNamara at Bordeaux, Nigel Carolyn, he's at Glasgow. Um, You could throw in maybe someone like Dunnick Ryan at La Rochelle, for instance. If they're going to go Irish, they're going to go out maybe outside the country. Why is, does any of those names stand out to you essentially? And and Mark McCall, I should add as well. I think um Noel McNamara is everyone's sort of quite keen on that name. Um and I think it's fair play because Bordeaux look at the way Bordeaux are set up at the minute. Um Noel McNamara's like proven himself in the under twenties and now he's in the top fourteen. Um I'd say top fourteen is like quite a different league where we haven't not off the top of my head, quite seen anyone really going. We've seen a lot of URC coaches go from URC to. Sorry about the light. I, by the way, I don't. No, know it's, how, it's fine. Um, it's like I'm in some type of disco. Um, but uh, um, but uh, we don't. We've we've not really seen many URC coaches go over. Um, no, top fourteen go to URC. We've seen a lot of URC go to top fourteen. Um. But no McNamara, I, I feel like it's a funding issue. Um, I feel like most of them, most of the names that you've read are funding issues. Will Jared Payne ever be tempted back? Um, I feel like he's the, uh, everyone seems in the player group, uh, at least anyway, uh, seem to really enjoy his presence and seem to really actually enjoy his coaching input. I feel like he's a very good coach. Um, and he also had a bust up, allegedly with Dan McFarland leading to Soper getting the assistant coach and um, Payne moving on. So I feel like out of them all, I would I would love Jared to come back. I would love to see what he would do to the team in a head coach role. Granted, he's not, he's not um, had the experience just yet, but um, McFarland didn't have the experience beforehand. I think he was the assistant coach all throughout his career. Uh, at Glasgow and then at Scotland. Um, so, you know, you saw what McFarland did in the last few years, and then you know that Payne's going to come in, and he'll know he'll know some of the lads, and certainly um, some of the younger lads that he would have worked with in the academy are now senior players. I'm thinking the likes of like Hume and Laurie and things like that. Like, I feel like he can come in and almost the Ulster lads will benefit from seeing a familiar face come in like Payne as head coach and Payne basically giving the reins and saying, listen, he's, he's one of probably, uh, in my opinion, growing up, I absolutely, he was my favorite player. And I think he's such a smart player. 
So I feel like he's got a lot to give in terms of coaching. So I would probably say Payne if it wasn't Richie's. Yeah. And Jack, I'll come back to you because you mentioned the, the backroom staff and the assistants and all that. And that's that's one that we want to get on to as well. Seamus asked, what do you think is the future of the rest of the backroom staff? So Dan Soper, um, Roddy Grant, and I don't know the rest. I, I know those two names. I, I don't have the written down apologies. No, yeah, what we have uh, so Soper was doing attack. I think he was previously skills coach. We had we had Johnny Bell who came in after Payne left. Uh, Craig Newby then came in to do uh, skills after the reshuffle when Soper stepped up to do attack. So I'm pretty sure that's kind of where we're at. Roddy Grant, Roddy Grant does forwards, but then again, McFarland's doing a lot of that anyway. So Roddy probably just carries on doing that, doing that himself. And for the most part, he's actually probably been in terms of. He was there at the start as well with McFarland, and he's been there since. So, so, so he's actually done done very well for himself. The start of this season has maybe not been so great, um, but again, we don't know how much of that is down to Roddy and how much of that is down to Dan. So, I mean, I'll I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say Roddy Grant's done a very good job. But yeah, the other name we haven't mentioned is Ruin Pinar. He was uh, quoted uh, potentially <laughs> potentially getting the job at Cheetahs down in Bloemfontein. Uh, whether or not I don't know the IRFU you want to make him an offer and swoop in there and try and get him. Well, they, they didn't before. Yeah, well, like, you know, got a house in Belfast. <laughs> <laughs> there's trauma there, lads, but uh, it can be uh, be rectified very quickly for the wee phone call to uh, to to Bloemfontein to the PNR residents and uh, you know profusely apologise for the way in which um, the IRFU treated them. Um, but there's no problem with foreign coaches um, coming in. They're not blocking any uh, uh, any uh, any uh, hey. local coaches. So uh, yeah, look, um, like you talk about, you know, Payne and Peel. They're going off and they're 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 trying to they're trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to make it work. And I see recently that Payne's now dual job on it as well, along with Peel. Yeah. I think. Yeah, Payne's doing attack and defence, and now Peel is doing the head coach role and the attack role. So I don't know what Scarlets are doing down there, but we'll see what we'll see what happens. But you know, it's very much you know you want to try and get guys in who will be able more than the sum of their parts, right? So if you can get guys in, which we have to, we'll have to do it on a budget. We'll have to do it on a bit of a shoestring um, for the next couple of years. So. What's 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 way more important now is thinking of okay, well, in twenty twenty five we get a new principal sponsor for you know for Ulster Rugby, probably new stadium rights as well. So whether or not that changes things and you can put you know a business plan in place to think about right, well we're going to get this 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 and this in place, and then we'll be in the position to offer these contracts to Payne Mark McCall. So. That then starts forming a little bit in your mind, like, okay, Richie Murphy probably will have a job with us next year because there's unlikely to be anyone who we need to go in this summer. Bill McNamara signed up. Jared Payne's probably signed up, although I don't know what his contract is, but he only started this year with Scarlet's, right? So he's yeah. he's likely to have one to two year deal. Um, Peel, for all intents and purposes, he want the head coach role, so. Will he get it with Ulster? I don't know. Um, would you bring those guys back? Do you keep? Who do you keep? Do you, you know, in terms of you know the guys that are there at the minute? You know, defense has been really poor since the pain left. In terms of individual player confidence, we we know that guys just loved working under him. Uh, Hume just talked about him incessantly, just talking about how much he learned from him. And just seeing pictures and things like that to being able to have that confidence. So for me, you know, I'm 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 a big one about you know emotional intelligence and getting the best out of guys, even when they might not be the the best technically gifted of players. But you know, building on building on players' confidences is 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 massive. And I'm sure that one of the great things that Richie Murphy would be able to do is to instill that confidence in in young guys. Obviously. A lot easier when when you haven't had you know much uh, heartache um, to, to think of to speak of in terms of under twenties levels. Um, you know he can certainly bring that energy and he can certainly bring that sort of focus back for the next for the next couple of months. So 
maybe maybe Pinar would be amazing. It'd be a it'd be a bit of a Hollywood story, but it would certainly it would certainly light up um the socials for uh for Ulster and we can get some highlight reels back of him playing. We know how much he loved his time here. Um and you know we've got some guys who we might want to bring back in. But I probably hate I probably caution against that because we've done that with a few guys already and it's not it's not quite worked out. So I would I would go off I would go off guys sort of CVs and be like okay yep Richie Murphy is has got a very good CV uh Noel McNamara has a very good CV if you can get him in on you know 2025 then absolutely grand Mark McCall he's gone off and he's got himself a very very good CV now once he after he left us will he want to come back that's up to him but he's another one in 2025 so very much do you wait and just suffer for another year or so which may have to be the case um or do you try and you know put yourself in another potentially vulnerable financial position by breaking someone else out of their contract which you know when you've already paid off mcfarland and let off so many players you know at the end of at the end of the season what's the score going to look like what coach is going to really come in and go oh great yeah we've got a whole we've got a load of players here we can deal with um, we're going to end up looking more like a Welsh uh, Welsh region than we are an uh, Irish province, so could be tricky. A bunch of under fifteens and Stephen Kitsoff. <laughs> no. Just get get the AIL guys in there. Get you know Inster oh. Inster tearing up trees in one in two B, and uh, you know we've got the Hinch boys and uh, Armagh. You know going 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 well in in one A. So I mean uh, you know there's 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 players out there. There's plenty of guys who can do a job. So. Uh, um, it's just uh, whether or not we got the the eye to to spot these guys and their 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 kind of talent. So there's plenty of options out there. It just might not be your number one guy for for another twelve to eighteen months. I'm a little bit conscious on time, so I'll finish up on this. We had a question about Johnny Petrie and Bryn Cunningham. So just really quickly, Adam wants to start with you. Do you think these lads should follow Dan out the door, given the expected financial issues that are coming over the hill? And do you think they will? Just really quickly. Um, yes, and will they? No. Um, I think um, I've read that Pat uh, Johnny Petrie, um, he went for the Scotland CEO job. And as far as I'm reading from forums, etc., Twitter, that he hasn't got the job. Um, so he's, he's staying in here for the long ride. Uh, Bryn Cunningham. I a lot of question over why he was in the coaching box. He's always in the coaching box. He's just there to sign people. Now he's a director of rugby. Um, we've seen a lot of issue with um, our player recruitment uh, over the last couple of years. And I don't think he's quite proven himself to be that reliable to be a director of rugby. Um, and I feel like they should both go to have more of a professional setup because I think Petri sold us a dream. Much like Shane Logan, but he dialed it down a lot. And then he went on to say last year with a CEO update, he promised us he promised us the Shane Logan dream essentially as well. But now we're looking at going into next year, expend extending our contract with our current sponsor because we couldn't find any other sponsor this year. Um, we're looking at somewhere we don't have a kit supplier for next year just yet, as far as we're aware. Um, I just think that it's so terribly handled, and the fact that. We would some people would say, oh, so Kit's off's on a mad contract. Apparently, we didn't know the financial struggle before that when we signed the deal, and then that's when the whole La Rochelle pitch gate happened, and then we decided to get a plastic pitch, which I don't think has paid off. It's been more of a benefit to players coming over and playing against us, playing fast flowing rugby, whilst we play like one dimensional sad rugby at the minute. So I think they should both. I think they should both go, and I feel like these two are also main reasons into why the likes of Johnny Bells came back, who I think was a very good defensive coach when he was with us. He left, he went to struggling English teams, and they went down due to financial troubles, and we sort of gave him a job as a comfort blanket, and we couldn't get anyone else. So um, I feel like they should both leave. Uh, Jack, finally, to you. Johnny Petrie, Bryn Cunningham, do you think they should go? Do you think they will go? I think if you're talking about 
financially, you're looking at Petrie. And if you're looking at that and you're looking at what, what's happened and the amount, this, the, the size of the squad that we had last year versus the size of the squad that we're going to have next year, um, you can see you can see the correlation between, all oh, right, well, those guys didn't quite work out and we spent, you know, a bit of a fortune doing, doing that. So in terms of the finances, that was probably an irresponsible um, kind of action to do. How we handled uh, uh, Pitchgate um, is a whole other thing. That is, again, an organizational problem, um, you know, regardless of how, this, how soft the ground was on, on the day uh, when Petrie went out and, you know, started tweeting about it. Uh, doesn't matter you know epcr have to come and you know make that assessment 24 hours before so you're done um and then sort of Bryn, i don't really know what Bryn does like i think he's like rugby operations so like he should be able to like organize and kind of be a little bit of a spiritual cultural leader so that he knows the kind of vibes that we want in Ulster rugby like i don't I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if 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 that's Bryn's again. Bryn's Bryn's CV is 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 limited, right? Like he's he he got he got this job, um, you know, after he retired. So Ron has a purpose. I think Bryn is probably a lovely guy, and he's probably he's probably great. But what what do we need? We need we need Ulster to be you know financially stable. So we need somebody with a bit of business acumen. We need someone who's still a bit a bit of a long term vision, who will you know keep us on the straight and narrow. And then we also need that director of rugby who is going to implement a strategy on the field who will be able to direct these coaches, whoever they may be, in the next 12 to 18 months to develop Ulster rugby into having, you know, the identity, having a style of play, having something that will bring people back in, pay for season tickets, you know, buy jerseys, get the names on the jerseys, whatever, you know, like... All, all of those pieces that we kind of take for granted a little bit uh, will make up what sort of what Ulster Rugby is going to be like in the future. So, uh, considering where we were, our recovery, and then our you know another demise almost, you'd have to say that they they've not really covered themselves in in tons of glory. So they 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 both they both might have to go as well. Okay. Well, thanks very much to Adam and to Jack for joining me last evening because it has been very good to get your insight on it from an Ulster perspective because, as I said at the top of the show, it's not something that, we'll, that we might get a lot of, that we might even have time to get a lot of considering we're in the middle of the Six Nations and the likes. Um, so thank you very much for joining me as well on short notice as well as that because obviously it was a bit of a shock announcement. Adam will be back with me tomorrow night as we preview Ireland against Wales. He's alongside Tom and Jamie for that one, so stay tuned for that. But as always, thanks home to everyone for listening. If you do like what you see or hear, please do like, subscribe, leave a review. Apparently it makes all the difference. I don't know. But we're doing very well at the moment. So thank you very much for everyone for listening so far. And you can find the links for the lads below. But for now, until next time, until tomorrow, I suppose, take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.